Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl 55 champions, led by Tom Brady. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. Episode 52 of For Future Considerations coming right into your backyard, your living room, your kitchen, the bathroom, wherever you're listening to us. My name is Matt, Manny, John as well. Gentlemen, great to see you as always. How are things? Fantastic. I wish we could broadcast outside again. Those were good times. Yeah, we had a couple of good shows. Some great natural sound in the background (laughs) and such. Milo yipping at somebody on the other side of the fence. You tossing something at Milo. (laughs) It's it's always fun back there. We only do field trips when you guys are well-behaved, though. Right, right. And John would get a bunch of emails going, why are there birds chirping in the background (laughs) on the podcast? (laughs) You put some sound effects in there, and it was a terrible decision. (laughs) I mean, the play of the week sounds great, but I don't know why you got to have a lawnmower running for the first half of the show all the time. Right, we had a lawnmower the one time. (laughs) But it's raining during this recording, so... We're indoors for this one, but boys, miss you. How you guys doing? Good. I walked the dog in the rain, so uh, that was good. Good times. He loved it. I'm soaked and sitting here damp while I record the show, so. That sounds dog great. Own- yeah, dog dog ownership. You got to do it. Dog Anyone ownership, who doesn't mate. have a dog, you got to get one. It's, it's so good. Oh, Picking man. up poop in the rain. Hey, yeah. I, got, I got soaked coaching my... U16 soccer team before recording this tonight. So I I feel your pain, John. <laughs> I almost got nailed leaving the dollar store a little bit earlier. So I got, I got lucky. I got in just as the the rumble started coming, but you could see you could see Eli coming from over the hill there. It was uh, it was getting darker and darker and darker and <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matty just uh, hauled himself in, made himself some chicken for dinner and uh, and watched the storm roll through. <laughs> Nothing like a good old storm. Did you guys, did you guys, when you were younger, uh, like I used to love playing games on the porch, front porch when it was raining. Like we would yeah, just, yeah. we had a covered porch. And so we would just hang out outside, play games like a board game or a card game or whatever it is on the front porch when it was raining. Did you guys yeah. do that as kids? My parents had a carport uh, at their place. So depending on where everybody was parked sometimes the car wasn't pulled all the way in or whatever so if there was some room to sit out there i've always liked watching storms my my mom uh my mom hates them my sister i don't think she's crazy about them but i don't think she she hates them um but i always liked watching the the storms kind of start rolling in what about you john yeah we had a, a deck but it was really high up so uh and then it wasn't covered so i didn't wasn't out there in the rain very much but i used to like to play with my cars on the deck railing like it was a road except for every once in a while i'd uh, lose one off the side and i'd have to go down and get it and i'd be really sour about it so yeah yeah <laughs> get soaked yeah chasing dinky cars <laughs> It's oh, never man. it's never an easy story for Rashade. It really never is. There's never no. I'm just yeah, we used to play cards outside. It's, yeah, I used to play marbles and well yeah, I'd play cards, but they'd end up falling off the deck and I'd have to go outside and get them and then I got electrocuted and then my dog's <laughs> pooping in the backyard and I gotta go get him and 
and there's a bear there, and I yeah. thought it was a dog. And oh it was picked up the cards and got a paper cut. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I never play cards. Oh man, the only guy to get paper cut playing playing cards, John or Sean. <laughs> Sure. Hey, before we uh, before we get into this, um, I hate to sound like the uh, funeral announcements on CFOS, and it, I hate that we're doing this back to back weeks. Good friend of mine that I work with, Doug Stapleton, passed away this week. Just under six years old. Guy had uh, died of cancer. Um, I'd known him for a few years working, and uh, and then he had been on leave for a little bit. We had tried to hook up, uh, never got the chance to before he passed away. But uh, uh, I tell you, this guy was the happiest go lucky guy just incredible attitude about everything that he was dealing with uh there's no way that i'd be able to handle the news that he continued to get the way he handled it uh and unfortunately he he passed this past week so uh he he loved the show um he listened to almost all of them he told me one time so <laughs> there's probably a few in there that he skipped but uh but he <laughs> probably so, wished he but would skip heaven, yeah. heaven we all <laughs> yeah, yeah. but he was a great guy so I want to make uh, make mention of Doug. Cheers to him. Raise a glass to Doug. Yeah, yeah. And, Absolutely. Uh, our thoughts are with him and his family. Yeah, so we're going to switch things around this week. We normally will do the interview portion of our broadcasts on the Friday, uh, but we're going to do them today because, uh, Rashad, this is a big week for the NHL. That's right. The NHL draft takes place Friday and Saturday, so we're going to do the interview on this episode. And our guests... Looking forward to this will be Mark Edwards and Jerome Barube from HockeyProspect.com. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, and that's going to follow along with the other episodes that we've had over the past month or so prepping for the NHL draft. Interviews with uh, other scouts, um, with former Los Angeles Kings Vice President of Hockey Operations Mike Fuda, some of the players whose names are hoping to get called, Wyatt Johnson, Ethan Burroughs as well. So we've, uh, we've had you covered and we're going to uh, wrap things up for you as the week goes along. Yeah, if you haven't gone back, go back and listen to some of those other episodes. And and then in our second podcast this week called The OT, we will do our own mock NHL draft, recap the Seattle Kraken expansion draft, and then talk about some other headlines in the world of sports. And speaking of that expansion draft, the Seattle Kraken will pick the first members of their hockey club on Wednesday night. And uh, before we get to our interview, I wanted to get your, some, uh, get your thoughts on some of the surprising names left unprotected by NHL teams. This might be an obvious question, but uh, which one is most surprising to you guys? Well, Rashad, you were surprised by Carey Price, right? Like you yeah, blew up our, <laughs> You blew up our group chat with Carey Price. <laughs> I mean, I get that there's some strategy there because uh, his salary is so big they may not want him, but wow, that's, uh, that's taking a gamble. What if the Kraken really decide they want to make a splash? So isn't this like the biggest high stakes poker game, right? Like Montreal sure. is playing poker, aren't they? For sure. And they're almost banking on two things that if, and this is what I always find uh, interesting when we've seen these expansion drafts and we've seen these lists come out, they're banking on that Seattle or, you know, in, in previous years, Vegas to not like the things that they would be stuck with. If they don't pick Carey Price, they don't like the high salary, so they're trying to avoid that. The injury, uh, possible injury history, possible current injury status. So if they do not select Carey Price, 
that's still something Montreal is going to have to deal with. So Montreal's okay with it. We'll see if Seattle is. I just can't. I, I think it's a very wise move by Montreal. Shrewd move by Montreal. Because, yeah, you're gambling. If Seattle does pick Carey Price, then you've just saved yourself $11 million a year for the next five years because that's how much he costs towards the cap. And you can spend that elsewhere. He's also reportedly injured, although some people may not believe that. I don't know how much I even believe how serious the injuries are to his knees and or hip. I just don't see Seattle picking him because he would then account for one-eighth of their salary cap. That's one player that accounts for one-eighth. And there are some other good players out there that maybe are worth the risk. A Landeskog, a Giordano, a Subban, a Tarasenko. Like, those are some other big names. Do any of those guys uh, feel attractive to you guys for Seattle? Uh, Landeskog for me is the is the most attractive piece, and, and I think that uh, to me, if you're going to go after one of those guys, I think is the guy you're going to grab. Tarasenko again, injury issues. Not sure the, the salary's en- enough to be impactful for them. I'm not sure that that's where you want to hit your horse if you're um, Ron Francis, if you're Seattle. I think of those big names, the safest, uh, which seems strange, would be Landeskog. Um, there's some other intriguing names those in there, you know, Toronto trades for Jared McCann, uh, and then leaves him unprotected. Max Domi being on that list who may have played for half of the NHL now at this point <laughs> in his age, you know, and even an Eberly of the Islanders, Josh Bailey with the Islanders, a couple of their, uh, their, their key components there too. So, uh, just like Vegas, Seattle is going to have, um, a decent looking team. Uh, their job now is to find the next stars right the next William Carlson who's been blocked uh, who's not shown what he can be who then comes to your team and becomes a superstar and that's that's where Ron Francis and his group's going to have to figure that out did we mention Mark Giordano there I mean he's 37 but that's uh that's a big name I did I did like uh, I, I think he's I think he's one of the most obvious, if not the most obvious player that the Kraken will select. I just think he's got one year left. Uh, he's a vet, a captain. He can change the culture, set the culture for that team. And oh, by the way, you can trade him for a first-round pick at the deadline if you need to. Like, I like Matt's thinking with Landeskog. I think you, if there's any team that can afford him at a $60 million deal, which is what many people expect he will get... It's the Seattle Kraken. And I would take Landeskog and try to sign him in the next week or so because he could be your captain. He's still mid-20s, and he too can can set the pace, set the culture. Like, And then if I take Landeskog, I'm not taking Tarasenko because St. Louis wants, St. Louis wants Landeskog. So why would you help them out? and take Tarasenko and his $8 million contract off his hands, you're just making Landeskog more affordable. I'd rather have Landeskog. I don't want Subban. He's $9 million a year, plus uh, he didn't look that good last year. I don't I don't think you're going to have a problem selling tickets in Seattle, so it's, it's not like he's going to be a huge face of the franchise that way to sell tickets. I just don't think you need that. 
And then you have a couple of other goalies in uh, on Canadian teams too, like Matt Murray. I know had a lousy year for the Senators, but he's there. And then for my team, uh, Braden Holtby too. So uh, that's somebody that they get... seem to be interested in, in a name that they might be calling. Obviously, we know the deal with Rigder is is seemingly done with uh, um, the Florida Panthers uh, goaltender. That that's going to be somebody that they're going to sign or select or how they will they will do about that. Um, I think the that Braden Holtby is is part of that plan uh, for uh, for Seattle. Um, I would suspect at this point, uh, you know, depending on where they want to go with it, that the goalie from Minnesota, um, Kakinen, uh is going to be Capo a Kakinen. guy that a yeah. guy that they're uh, they're going to reach out to. So there's going to be some goalie options out there. Nobody that's going to be a Marc Andre Fleury, I don't think, unless you're going to go and and spill and and go with Carey Price. But there's there's going to be options there for them at least. Yeah, and I think Holtby is attractive. So is Jonathan Quick with the LA Kings, right? But I think they're going to go young. You mentioned the Florida goalie. You mentioned the Minnesota goalie. There's also the Vanasek from Washington who's out there. And I think taking Drieger, taking Vanasek, taking Kakinen, uh, I think those are the three goalies they'll get because they're all cheap too, especially if you're signing the Florida goalie for $10.5 million contract. I think that way you can build your forwards and defense with the others. It'll be interesting to see, though. Yeah, yeah. Some speculation there. And again, uh, stay tuned for the OT later this week as we'll uh, critique the selections that the Kraken have made. And now it's time for our play of the week. Can you believe what we just saw? This is incredible. You know, guys, I gotta be honest. I have goosebumps. Unbelievable. My God. This is the play picked by you, our fans, and our social media followers, and it's from the NBA Finals. Booker the drive, gets inside, leans in, knocked away, it's stolen by Holiday. Phoenix has to foul, and a pinnacle ball throws it down. Giannis throws down the massive jam on an alley-oop for the Milwaukee Bucks. How about Giannis yeah, taking over I... that series, right? I, I thought he was a bit of a baby uh, for most of the playoffs, and uh, and he's really he's really charged up in in this round. He's looked very good, very good, obviously. Our play of the week is brought to you by London Awnings, quality that shows. And you can find our polls uh, next Monday on uh, social media accounts. We post the candidates' uh, top plays of the week as well, the video highlights and everything to do with that on Monday at Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram. So take a look at those videos. Vote. Vote often. Share. Like. Retweet. Follow. What else can you do on there? Whatever else you can do on there. Do it. <laughs> you, you can DM Enjoy us, Enjoy the too. play of the week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Email for future considerations at gmail.com. And uh, we normally will uh, we'll figure that out or the uh, poll um, victors by the, the end of the day on Monday. So on Wednesday, Adam Hooper is going to vote, and we'll find out what he has to say. <laughs> did you vote for that Giannis alley-oop? I did. Yes, I did. John? Yep, yeah, I did too, actually. I went with the block. I thought his big block okay. was pretty good, too. It's no Tayshawn Prince, but it was all right. <laughs> now time for our guests on this edition of For Future Considerations. These two gentlemen are leading the charge at HockeyProspect.com. Founded in 2004, the scouting service provides reports to NHL teams and junior hockey teams in the O, the Q, and the Dub. They have just released... There's 600-plus page black book for the NHL draft. 
Many consider it the Bible for NHL prospects. Please welcome to the podcast founder and director of scouting, Mark Edwards, and his lieutenant, Jerome Barube. Guys, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. What an intro. Holy crap. (laughs) (laughs) We do it up big here. Now, Mark, I've known you for years, and somehow we still talk, even though you're a Cleveland Browns fan. But things are looking up for you, buddy. We had a good year. Yeah, things are looking up. (laughs) Things are looking up. And Jerome, you're in Montreal, right? Exactly. Right on. And so I'm assuming this was a pretty exciting uh, hockey season for you as a fan as well? Uh, it was pretty wild downtown, I would say, in the playoff. Um, Montreal can get pretty wild when games win in the playoffs. So uh, it was pretty uh, hectic downtown, but it was fun. Are you a Habs fan, quote-unquote fan? Um, yeah. Very neutral. Yeah, I grew up a Abs fan, but since I've been in scouting, I've been probably I'm more neutral now, um, working in hockey now. But um, yeah, I grew up grew up a Habs fan since pretty much my pretty much since 1993. I'd say I've been following the team. So you can still party with the Habs fans. That's okay. They'll let anybody in. <laughs> <I'm> so <laughs> yeah. well, they won't let anybody in though. That was the problem this year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so the three of us know about hockeyprospect.com, but um, how would you guys describe your service to uh, listeners of our podcast and hockey fans? Um, where are your scouts located? And uh, maybe just tell us uh, your description of who you guys are and what you're, what you do for our listeners. Yeah, I guess I'll go right back to the very beginning, I guess. So um, I was coaching in mid to AAA and actually had Wayne Simmons on the team that year. And uh, I, I just as the season went, <laughs> excuse me, as the season went on, I started to see more and more players that I just thought, you know, were getting maybe uh, passed over a little bit. So I just came up with an idea to create a website and, and just give a little bit of exposure to some players that might have previously been missed. And uh, really with the only intent to just try and help get some kids some of that exposure and, and maybe latch on to uh, get an NCAA scholarship or a little bit of OHL exposure uh, and extend their hockey careers a little bit. So no, not in a million years that I have any plans to do any sort of extra scouting or rankings or anything at that time. Um, as it turned out, Wayne was one of those players that uh, got spotted and, and ended up uh, no one sound to start. Uh, he had a scholarship offer down to uh, in Ohio. Um, oh my God! Uh, I think to the Falcons, Bowling Green, Bowling Green. Uh, but I think Wayne had about a fifty-four average and chose not to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a good decision for him. Uh, and I guess you know the rest is just kind of history. It just kind of snowballed into what it is today. Um, never really intended it for to be any sort of business or what I was going to end up doing. But um, at that time I was just coaching and, and just thought there were some talented kids that maybe could have used some exposure. And uh, Wayne turned out to be one that it worked out for, obviously. And then uh, as far as our scouts, um, kind of everywhere, um, out West, East Coast, uh, there's other guys here in Ontario. I mean, when you, when you throw in the Q scouts um, for the Q draft, and the OHL scouts, you know, there's really a lot of guys, um, but there's Johan in Sweden, and we got a new new guy in, in Finland. Um, we had a Russian, but I don't know if he's going to be back. Um, 
uh, oh, Dusty in Wisconsin has been with us forever. Mike Farkas down in the States. Uh, so yeah, there's quite a few. Brad, Brad Allen, who was in Kingston. Uh, he's actually in Newfoundland right now with his, uh, his mother's got a, uh, a little bit ill. So he's, he's with her right now in Newfoundland, but, uh, he was in Kingston. So yeah, we're kind of spread all over the place. Obviously Jerome is, is in Montreal and what's this year nine, Jerome? We're coming in on the big 10. Yeah. Finishing uh, year nine. <laughs> we're gonna have to throw a party for you guys yes <laughs> yeah he's gonna want something now <laughs> <laughs> well congratulations on uh on the nhl black book 600 pages i've had a chance to to flip through most of it and uh <laughs> it's uh it's christmas for me to get a chance to to look through all that stuff it's probably the best uh black book i've read since manny's and uh, manny's <laughs> might be a little bit more than 600 pages so <laughs> but the the black book itself that you guys are putting out player evaluations rankings reports on on hundred of players uh, obviously a, a massive undertaking for for you and your staff uh, what does it look like putting this this together? Um, you know, maybe not just to the the day to day, but you know, what uh, calendar wise uh, does it look like when you get your guys together? When you start putting the rankings on paper? Um, when you start putting the book itself together and its contents? Why don't you take this one, Jerome? Yeah, well, it's it's, it's a long process, uh, as you saw. It's a pretty big book, so um, obviously every scout has to write their own profile for. Uh, the players, um, they, so I'm, I'm guessing the writing process starts around February of a normal draft year, uh, and then goes all the way to June, basically. Um, um, so yeah, usually I pretty much start writing around February, uh, and then um, it ends pretty much in June, and obviously there's a lot of editing to do, and I have my own editor, so <laughs> that really helps uh, speed up the process. Um, so yeah, and then other things our scouts need to do is send their lists, send their um, their grades, their ratings for players from their area, um, and then me, Mark, and Brad will go over it in like in in our Zoom meetings during you know usually it's, it's in uh, May or June. Um, and then uh, that's that's the uh, we call them the the L season. Uh, it's some some of the longest meeting we had this year. We had I think a ten hour meeting one one night. Wow. Yeah, um, it's a lot of work, but it's pretty uh, it's pretty fun to do. We still have it's a lot of work, but we do have fun doing it. Um, and you know, also uh, during the year, each scout have to write their own game reports from game stacy so those go they uh, all those game reports will go in the book um so that's a bit of a part of the process uh, every year we have to go through yeah if we released audio from the meetings unedited sales might go up <laughs> <laughs> but behind the black book i like it it could be its own podcast here yeah yeah i yeah i uh I think people would be entertained. We do, uh, when, you know, when you're doing this, like the hours get pretty long, as we said, going down the stretch run. Um, you, you know, last year um, when COVID hit, it just felt like May came in, in mid-March, really, because because that's usually what I am. I'm just in the house uh, nonstop in May. 
Um, so it just kind of felt like that had just dragged last year from, it was March 11th. I think I was at a game in Guelph and never got back to a rink and it just felt like March just, you know, dragged and dragged. And by the time, oh my God, by the time we were doing the last little bit in June, I just felt like we had the longest May ever. Um, and then it just never stopped, unfortunately, and it's kept going all the way through this year for, uh, for me and kind of Jerome too, into Quebec, because we weren't in the most, uh, as you guys know, friendly area for for uh, for hockey. But luckily, we had our guys in the other areas that uh, were jumping out. Dusty was like going like <clears throat> like there was nothing wrong in Wisconsin, and then he goes into Minnesota and does our Minnesota high school. Johan was, you know, almost like what's COVID uh, in Sweden? He's he's, in, he's, right, he's right in Stockholm, and uh, yeah, just like. Like Dusty got COVID, and uh, he's like, "Oh, I was down for a couple of days. Yeah, no problem." So it was, it was like a different <laughs> world. And and talking to NHL scouts going into some of those USHL cities, they were just like, uh, "It's unbelievable." Like they just some towns, they went with they went into a you know grab a drink at a as they stopped for gas or something and went into the store to pay and grab a drink, and they're the only person they've seen in like hours in a mask, you know, kind of deal. So. And a lot of them were driving like, like long distances uh, to avoid flying, and they're not used to doing that. Right? That's the hockey prospect budget. I drive like Shakutami from from Oakville, right? <laughs> but right. the the scouts the scouts don't tend to do that. Like so, but a lot of them uh, kind of saw a little bit more of uh, car time, like I do in my typical year, because uh, they were just trying to avoid the airports and and did a little bit longer drives, you know, from from Detroit to Chicago or stuff like that, they would never do. They'd always fly. Also, just because the flying was so much more inconvenient this year. You know, I was just saying on an interview the other day, um, an East Coast guy, like it took him like I think 12 hours to get from uh, Halifax to uh, Detroit, right? Like it just, and then he had to go somewhere from Detroit too. So that's just, that's just not a usual normal season trip for a scout. So there was, as you guys are aware, there was this way way less flights available so it really really was a rough year for the old scouts and then for you guys having to improvise with the pandemic did you guys watch a lot more video this year then well there was a lot more video for sure i mean especially for a guy like me i'm usually the guy that's that's you know travels the most sees a ridiculous amount of live games and then for me it was just upside down i just i i I mean, I went into Burlington for a night and saw some OHL draft stuff. I was out a little bit, but for the most part, I was just grounded. And uh, with the restrictions at the borders, it was really tough. Um, even some NHL guys having some hassles. And then when it got to the point of of uh, having to quarantine for two weeks and all that coming back from the borders, and then uh, that it was pretty much like, man, at what, what point is this worth it? For, for what we're doing when we're doing so much on video anyway from my point of view so um i guess though that it's you know jerome will talk maybe um because we talked about this recently but just it's different like we, we we watched a lot more video but it's different because there's restrictions with the video just the you know you're restricted to what the camera's showing you um, so why don't you just expand on that a little bit, Jerome, since we've talked about it so much this year? Yeah, well, I mean, the video was, are pretty good qualities in 2021 if you compare it to, you know, eight years ago, maybe. Like, the technolo technology is really good. 
right now, but still, I mean, it's not perfect. Um, you know, the the toughest part, I think, one of the one of the toughest part for scouting on video is like the skating. Skating is pretty hard to, I mean, it's like it's tough live. So imagine in, on video uh, how hard how hard it is. Um, so. Uh, skating is a tough one to evaluate on on video. You have to do like you have to really focus on uh, on the player's uh, stride, and you know, so it's really hard. Um, also, it depends where the camera is on in the in the arena. If, yeah. If the camera is lower, everyone's gonna look a bit faster. If it's high, higher in the rink, uh, you get a better like view of it. Um, so and also, one thing that you affects the player size too. Yeah, and um, <laughs> yeah, one thing also the play away from the puck. Um, you a lot of things you don't see on camera. So that's probably the the best thing about live scouting is you see everything you want. You can you don't you don't you don't even have to watch the puck. You can just watch the player you want to see. Uh, on video, I mean, obviously the camera will follow the puck. So you're. It's that's another big, you know, plus for live scouting. Yeah, and I want to ask you about that, Jerome. The the play away from the puck portion. The you know you don't see what how the player reacts when they go back to the bench. Um, you know they slam their stick. They've had a bad game, or you know their heads down, uh, body language, things like that. Is that something you guys factor in, and, and where do you guys put that as far as uh, when you're looking at your evaluations for players? Um, how much emphasis is put on that extra stuff that you may not even see on video? Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I mean, it's important. Um, I, I even like watching warm-ups, uh, seeing guys in warm-up, how they react, how they interact with other guys on the ice, and so it's like it's a, uh, it's yeah, it's important for sure. Yeah, I can I can just quickly add when I was coaching um, in junior, and had NCAA coaches, you know, coming up to do their regular uh, scouting and. Um, you know, I might be standing watching warm up myself with our team or something, and and I could I could see some coaches crossing guys off the list, and I I started to try and just drive home the point to our players like there's eyes on you all the time, and warm up matters too. Some of you guys are getting crossed off the list before the the pucks dropped, just because you're you're uh, screwing around in warm up, and these guys don't have any time for it. So it's you know it it's one of the things I think is as players go through the, the, their draft year process, especially they start to realize just how much the, the eyes are on them and the focus on them and the scouts, the scouts really dig into, uh, you know, what they're doing. And, and even, even as we walk into a rink and we see warm up, and you might notice, you know, who's, who's focused, you can, who you can tell is really focused on the pregame warm up and, and going through, going through the stretching properly and who's, uh, you know, fooling around. So um, I always try and tell them, like, just just assume there's always someone watching you. So how would, how would you guys describe yourself then to the average Joe? How would you describe how you watch a game? Because I imagine you watching a game is a lot different than the regular Joe watching a game. Um, I don't know. How do you... How do you want to answer that, Jerome? <laughs> <laughs> um, like it's it's. Well, we definitely don't watch a game like a normal person. Uh, we do. 
I mean, for the most part, we know which player we need to watch. We have like a, like if I go to the game, I know which, I have like maybe six, seven players to watch and, you know, so I'll focus way more on those guys than, than the rest, but I still like to have like an overall view of the game and overall view of the other players in case maybe some, someone I really don't know um, looks really good. I'm like, oh, you know, maybe this guy is a, maybe a, Maybe a surprise this year. Uh, maybe a guy who went undrafted last year, um, as uh, you know, maybe a late bloomer type type prospect. Um, so obviously, we focus more on the players we we know we have to scout. Um, if if I'm talking about like a Q game or OHL games, obviously international hockey is a whole different mess. With you know, maybe up to. Let's say Canada is playing USA. <laughs> I mean, you have pretty much forty players to watch. So both teams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're watching. You're watching everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everybody yeah. It's the ice, so, right? So, so that that comes into some strategy on you know, first of all, what time of year is it? Is it the early fall tournament? Is it later in the year where you're you've narrowed stuff down again just by sheer viewings? Um, and then just just going back even just to the start of the year, so. We kind of treat it like like I'm director of scouting. Like we act like we're a team. I'm director of scouting. Um, so, you know, if I'm coming into, uh, I've got a Quebec trip planned. I know where I'm going. I'll just, I'll, I'll maybe shoot Jerome a text and say, "Here's my trip." And then if he hasn't, if if it's really early and he hasn't even given me like the the area ratings, so like the A's, B's, C's, and we have like a C plus, and our C plus is basically you know, he's closer to a fourth than a seventh is how we kind of call it. But if it's really early, because I like to try and make one really early October where the weather's still good and get, get one trip through Quebec early. Um, kind of like I said to you guys, I think off air about going to Owen Sound really early. <laughs> but yeah. so it's say, it's it sounds yeah. like a bit of a trend here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're always scouting yeah. the teams down in Florida in such a in <laughs> December and January, right? <laughs> I wouldn't mind if they had uh, a few expansion teams, but uh, so all, so so Jerome will shoot me um, just even just a text, just with the the names of of uh, who I'm going to see on the teams, and he'll just have the letter beside. Here's the A's, here's the B's, here's the C's. So I know as I'm going in, you know, obviously I'm going to focus on the A's and B's ahead of the C's. Um, it's not hard if there's not that many, but if you start getting a game where there's more numbers, you kind of want to prioritize and have in your head and. You know, sometimes it's really easy because you get the lineups and they're just spread out, and it's like, you know, there's there's two guys per shift that you got to watch or whatever. And sometimes there's one in the whole game, so obviously it just depends on the game. And as Jerome started to say, you know, international is a whole different ball game where you, you know, there's different strategies. Hey, I'm going to really focus on Finland for the first period, USA for the second, or Finland for this whole game. I'll focus on USA and. You know, that's not to say other stuff's not going to just jump off the ice at you. And obviously you're going to take note, but there's different strategies. And your evaluations that are in the black book, they're based on everything that you see on the ice. Right, guys? Yeah. So we've got, um, we've got like all the, our, we've got basically got five different categories, but four real big ones. So the Hockey Sense competes skill and skating. And in that order is kind of our, our priority. So hockey sense is most important to us, competes second skill and skating would be third and fourth. Now, don't get me wrong. There's not like huge gaps between those, but we do have an order. Um, not much separates them as far as importance, but yeah, there is that order. 
Um, and we do have an extra little kind of miscellaneous and that's kind of the, you know, the height, weight, so the size, the athleticism, along with endurance, some strength. And then we just give a rating for that category. So that, that helps if you've got, uh, you know, the five, eight D man or something like that. Um, so for example, if the five, eight D man, he might, you know, maybe athleticism is really good and all that kind of stuff. Uh, he's a strong five, eight. Um, so let's say we gave him a five in our three to nine scale there. Cause that's our, that's our scale. Five is a basically average. Um, but then we say you, you look in his skating category and a rating box and it says five for us, he's in trouble right there. Cause he's, he's average, you know, average for that five, eight. And well, really the, the, he's below average for the five, eight, but we're saying he's really athletic. So it's bringing up his overall grade there. But if you're five, eight as a defenseman and we give you a five um, rating for skating, you're in big trouble. So it's, it's really like a quick snapshot for, for us. And, and really, I love it early in the season. Um, you know, going back to an early OHL draft meeting a couple years ago, we were going through uh, one of the leagues. So, so we're going league by league. So scout by scout, just given their quick, you know, I think they're given their top 10 or something. And uh, one scout gave his, you know, gave his grade and he had the guy second in his area. And I said, what are his ratings? And he's like, five, 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 five. So basically it's average, 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 average. And I said, okay, so he's like not an A. I've never seen him, but he's probably not an A. And if he's second in your area, your area is really weak this year. Right? And that's without <laughs> me laying eyes on him. But I just said, if your ratings are accurate, there's my snapshot. And I can tell just by his ratings, if they're accurate, it gives me this snapshot of the player so that's kind of like we don't sit here if you're looking in our black book right now and you're like how come this guy was a seven seven eight seven and this guy was a seven seven eight six and the eight six guy is ahead of the other well we don't add these up it's not like some sort of get a total and and all that it's just literally a snapshot of the player if you're looking at it as a as a, a fan or if you're an nhl staffer regardless of who you are you get a quick snapshot of, of how we envision the player of weakness might jump right out of you. He might be a four skater or something like that, or a strength, a nine hockey sense, which is for us elite. Uh, Cause our grades are three poor, uh, four below average, five average, six good, seven, very good, eight excellent and nine elite. And we don't throw around the elites very often. How many elites do we have this year, Jerome? like for total all the categories um i'm not sure but recently. yeah i'm not sure but under 10 i'm guessing yeah yeah so so connor mcdavid was a three in all those categories right <laughs> yeah yeah you're a three skater <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're gonna get you guys to do a little mock draft with us here in a few minutes but um how much pounding on the table is there for certain players when it comes time to rank them are guys pretty passionate about uh there are guys that they have ranked high. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell them? That's, Jerome, that's where you... the stories come in, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jerome, why don't you tell them about uh, the guy we disagree on this year? It's not just me. It's 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 Brad and you and against me. Um, well, there's like a, a few, but uh, Samuel Elenius. <laughs> <laughs> there's a few. There's a few. Uh, Samuel. Samuel. Oh, there's El one main one. Yeah, Samuel Elenius is a big six foot six center from from Finland um and obviously 
Brad is a huge fan of him. I'm a fan of him, and Mark is not a fan at all. Um, so there's been some pretty good uh, discussion uh, for his ranking all year, and like there's other guys too. I remember um, Shia Bium from uh, Sioux City is one guy that we had some pretty good conversation about him in our meetings, and I mean it's fun. I mean I that's 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 the fun part. I mean that's it is the fun part, yeah. and the best part is that. I can trust these guys. They're not, they're not just, Oh, Mark likes them. So I'm going to like them. And that's the most important thing. If, if, if there was any people out there wanting to scout, like you gotta just not worry about what anybody else says and trust what you say. If you're wrong, don't worry about it. You're wrong, at least with your own opinion. And you'll, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll learn from mistakes as much as you'll learn from when you nailed a guy like I, I am so much better now than I was, you know, even just two years ago. And that's the key. You just, you gotta, you gotta self-evaluate. Why did I miss on this guy? That sort of thing. But yeah, we have the, it's, you know, we don't have to be in a meeting to have that, that fun. So that's when the texts start going, I'm watching Hellenius and I'm like, I'm through, I'm through two games. And I'm like, I don't know if he's touched the puck. Like, seriously, I, I how many times has he touched the puck? So then I started tracking which i never do like never do but i'm like I, he, he's not even touching the puck so i tracked like how many games from five i texted you guys and just pissing you guys off so i i tracked <laughs> five games i think he touched the puck for eight seconds one game maybe 10 seconds the next game i think the high was 19 seconds of puck like puck <laughs> on his tape <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm annoying. So I just like, I just, like, <laughs> I just throw it at them and just make it, try and make it sound worse than it is just to get them all riled up. <laughs> Do either of so, you have a guy that you um, really hit on or really missed that jumps out at you in, uh, over the course of your uh, time doing this? Uh, who was Brad's drone? The preseason one that we just never let him forget. Uh, the, yeah. Val- the, the Swiss kid. The Swiss kid. Yeah, Valentin Nussbaumer. Uh, he was a Swiss kid. Oh, that, Yeah, we had we had him in our first round. Like the Brad pounded the table. You, yeah, yeah, we had him in the first Brad round. Brad pounded um, the table for him. You, you got to remember, like the sorry, Jerome, I keep cutting you off. Go ahead. Yeah, we had him in the first round. Um, like their our first ranking for that. I don't, I don't remember which draft year that was, but I'm guessing it's a year ahead. It's literally it's 13 months ahead. So it was the it was the really early one. So we're not spending. 10 hours of meeting. I mean, we might, I don't even think we spend 10 hours total. We don't have the time for that early list, but, but Brad pounded the table for this kid. And I think he was 20th on our really early 13 month ahead list. So I actually went to Gatineau in the, like Brad and I were just talking about this kid. So he, he had a hat trick in his first game. So Brad's just, he's texting, right? <laughs> and it's, and I remember I was in Kitchener on a Friday night for game one and the kid had a hat trick. Uh, for Shawinigan, I got up Saturday and watched it on tape, and I sent Brad a text. I'm like, he had a hat trick, but he, he honestly, he wasn't very good. So it was either, I think it was the next week, I I saw him live in Gatineau, and I was just like, oh my god, we're in trouble because we don't want to have a guy 20th and just me basically leave the rink saying he's a no draft. Which I think that's how we ended, right, Jerome? We did, we had him as a no draft at the end of the year. Uh, yeah, I remember possible. I saw him twice possible. really early once in Gatineau and then at home in Shawinigan and I was like after two viewings live yeah no draft for me <laughs> what about I you Jerome to, uh, Jerome is there a guy that you you hit on and you make 
you let Mark know about it all the time? Um, I was gonna Sam Gerard. Yeah, Sam Gerard. Yeah, yeah. I still don't give it to him though. I still don't like Sam Gerard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Samuel Gerard was one, but I remember like I remember the U seventeen were in Drummondville, and we saw a Russian defenseman. I'm gonna say the name. Nobody will know what that is. Uh, Kirill Liamkin. Oh yeah, yeah. I think he won the defenseman of the tournament at the U seventeen. He he looked really good. Uh, so that was his 16 years old season, 17 year old season. He comes playing the queue and he looks like he has no clue how to play hockey. Uh, really? yeah, he was terrible. Yeah, he, he was. And there was, there was four, at least four of us in Drummondville and, uh, it was Drummondville, uh, sorry. Yeah. Drummondville Victoria for that U17. And there was four of us there for what a week, Jerome. Yeah. So we were all over, we were all over it. And we, we just freaking love this kid. And he came in and just, it was Shakutami, right? Yeah. Came in as Shakutami, yep. I think. Yeah. And he, he was just. No draft. Oh, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no draft. He shit the bed. Uh, yeah. How that's... high did we have him? I think we had him like top 10. Yeah. Six. Season that he, year. he was that's six. Funny. Yeah. I will never forget it. Six. Yeah. Wow. So on the. On the positive side, we fixed the mistake quick. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I want to ask you a, a likely long-winded question here, uh, Mark and Jerome, but uh, one of the parts of the Black Book that I really enjoyed uh, was just the, the paragraph of your notes, Mark, uh, leading into the, the profiles of the players. And, and some of the things that really stood out to me was talking about staff viewings, um, how this is something that NHL teams will look at. So the mindset of your scouts being guys at the table, um, guys in that decision-making role, you kind of putting it in their mind, uh, this is their final year of their contract with this team uh, that they have to... uh, they have to, to, to hit or, or do the, the best job that they can, that there's not the fly-by-night, you pick a guy and you hope that uh, he ends up hitting and then you get to brag to all your buddies. So when you created that culture, when you create that kind of code of conduct, how important in your role is the credibility of what's being put out there? Like you said, on a, on a regular basis, that these guys are taking this as serious as not the guy that's on the internet that has Twitter or, or Instagram or whatever, but the guy that you've developed a mindset for that is working for a front office as you're ranking these, these players. Yeah, it's, it's important for me because of my relationship with so many scouts and, and basically becoming, uh, you know, the, I mean, a lot of them are just really good friends now. So they're, they're not interested in hearing um, kind of about our list if it's not apples to apples with theirs. So, you know, if, if I say like, oh, we got a guy like 17th, but they think that we're just trying to like predict the draft for example, or what's going to happen or whatever. And, you know, they like Bob McKenzie's list at the end of the year because it kind of gives a little a little preview of how it might roll. But from us, they want, they, they like that we kind of act like we're like them and a team. And they like the fact that it's taken seriously that we're not going to try and, as you just kind of, you know, mentioned, we're not going to try and take a guy that's maybe 27th on a bunch of lists and say, yeah, he's, we've got him second. And then, 
you know, if we win the lottery and he hits, we can say, oh, yeah, we we nailed that one. But meanwhile, there was like a 98% chance we weren't going to hit it. And you just, you know, it's kind of like, well, no one will ever remember that. Well, I think we're at the point now where it's, it's um, we're kind of known that we, we try and act like we're a team the best we can. Our budget's lower. Obviously, there's, there's, there's some major differences, but I think we're pretty well respected um, for the fact that we really do try and mirror uh, the way a team would go about this. And so, I, I mean, Jerome will tell you, I'd probably drive them crazy driving that home. Like, you know, don't try and predict a draft. Don't try and think what someone else is doing. Your opinion, but what would you do? you gotta, you got to go to the rink the next year and basically – you know, envision your names on his back because he's skating around and sucking, right? You want your name on his back, so don't don't rank it. Like we've had we've had Russians before where maybe they would have been a few spots higher, but we said, hey, would we really would we really take him here when we don't know? You know, even we don't even know how much he's he is willing to come to the NHL at this point. You know, totally. That, that's just one example, right? So, um, there definitely is, uh, and just, just even going against consensus with the first pick, you know, this year, Bob McKenzie just said 10 out of 10 had power. So if you're the Sabres, it's hard to go against that consensus, right? Because yeah, they're, they're set if they don't, if they, if they go against it and they nail it, but if they go against it and miss, it's like, what were you doing? <laughs> the whole planet knew power was the best and you've, you were the smart guys who didn't even know that and, and went against it. And I'm not saying it's wrong to do that. I'm just saying you really got to be confident and it takes guts to go against that power because of what I just said. Like, it's like, Hey, the whole planet had power. You went against it and blew it. Now, if you nail it, you can, you can write your ticket. So. But that's what I like about the black book. Just to, just to pump your tires a little bit, Mark and Jerome is that, um, not only do you provide the ranking, but your evaluations and your reports on every single player, almost every single player is very detailed, just like a hockey team would be. And I think that's why I think the Black Book is a must read, especially for people who want to get into the scouting market because they can actually see what type of work is produced all the time. And then, of course, get a better picture of the player. And I think that's what NHL teams do, right? They provide as much information as possible and then base their rankings on that. And, and the, what I what I really tried to uh, drive home the last few years is is the projection, right? And the projection and the, and the and just the philosophy we're going to take on our ranking because you can you can kind of even evaluate a player the same way, but then when it comes to ranking time, if you want to go about your your draft philosophy a little bit different, it'd be sorry sort of like safer, you know, maybe, you know, maybe there's a guy you think absolutely 99% he's going to play, but he might be slim chance at third line guaranteed fourth line. Well, for, for us and acting again, pretending we're a team, we don't want to do that. We figure we can get a fourth line or a different way. That's not what we're looking for in the draft, right? Later in the draft, fine. But I mean, early in the draft. So we wouldn't even go down to a, maybe a 40% chance of hitting on a, top six guy and take that swing because how else do you get them these days you know especially these d right going back to power like power edmondson at the top here like we're how many of these guys change teams guys right once they're drafted like it's really difficult to get these d 
So that's that's another part of the ranking process. And then when we get in, when we kind of get in tiebreakers, when it really gets tight, we'll do our best to kind of project. And again, it's it's just it's it's like an educated guess, really. But we'll try and project. Um, you know, who's going to be better in the playoffs? Who's a better fit for when that the style changes? Because I find it really getting to look like it's two different seasons. There's the there's the regular season. Again, that the guy, you almost need the guys to get you the playoffs and make sure you're in the playoffs. And then it's almost like, all right, now we need the playoff guys to step up and get us through. And I think Montreal just seemed like that this year, right? That it was just they have their guys that are playoff guys and they came to life. Mark Edwards and Jerome Barube from HockeyProspect.com are our guests. You can follow them on Twitter first at Mark Edwards HP and at Jerome underscore Barube, or you can follow all their work at Scouting Service. So let's do a little mock now and get to Uh-oh. get you to pick between picks in the top ten. Mark, you can go first. You're Buffalo. Is this Owen Power all day, every day, and why? Yeah, as I, I mean, I just kind of said it. So yeah, we would we would go power uh, for kind of what I just talked about. Um, it's just it's just so hard to go against. And you saw it last year with Lafreniere. Basically, the whole planet had him. I really really liked Stutzla, and at times had him ahead. But when I when I did exactly what we've been talking about here, and I put myself on the draft floor, and am I that sure that Stutzla is going to be better? That I could risk maybe my job on it. We kept Lafreniere number one, and this year we will keep Power number one. And I'm not saying he's not the best. I'm just saying, like there, there, there really wasn't for us. It, it was more of a two, three, two, three, four battle than a someone challenging him. Um, it was tighter before the Worlds, but after the Worlds, man, he really put on a show and sealed it. And Jerome, who do you like going number two to Seattle? Um, I have William Eklund to Seattle. Um, he's our Obviously, our number two ranked player on our list. Um, I really like this player. He he does everything I want a hockey player to do. Um, you know, super smart, super creative, super talented. Uh, works hard. Uh, to me, he's the most talented forward forward in the draft. And uh, you know, I think he got he was a bit unlucky this year with injuries. I think if he played at the World Junior, I think people were, would be. A, even more sold on him than they they are now. Um, so he missed the World Junior because of COVID. He probably would have played at the World Championship in in May, but he hurt his uh, his wrist just before. So he missed like two big big event. But he's uh, like he's one guy I've I've been pushing all year with Mark in our meetings. So I'm I'm a I'm a big fan. Yeah, Jerome was. Uh... Jerome led the pack for us on on pushing him. That's for sure. I mean, we had you know we all had him high, but Jerome had him up at this number two spot pretty early. So um, Brad and I kind of joined on uh, towards the end. Way to pound um, on the table, Jerome. There it is, right <laughs> there. Know? It didn't work with Sam Gerard, but it worked for us. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Mark, uh, you're on the clock now at three with the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, where do you see Anaheim going? Um, let's all, I'll pretend I'm Jim Sandlack, their Ontario-based <laughs> scout. Good old Sobble Beach boy. Good old Sobble boy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll go. Uh, we'll we'll go. Matt Beniers here. Um, might be along with Power, his teammate, one of the safest picks in this draft. I think. Um, might be second line center, but a a, a really good one. And 
very, very complete player. Um, I had the chance to to coach Ryan O'Reilly as a call up, and it, it just made me think of O'Reilly when I watched Beniers, just because of that. You know, as a as a someone who coached and those those players that they just they almost coach themselves. They're so smart and so reliable. Um, he's a type that those important minutes, he's going to be the guy you want out there. And then he's, he, you know, he, he put up a lot of points this year for a freshman and uh, you can't forget about that part of his game. It's not like he's just some sort of um, defensive, um, you know, player. He's, he's got some skill too. And, but yeah, he's one of the guys he got an elite. We gave him a nine hockey sense and uh, outstanding player. One of my favorites for sure. Jerome, if you're New Jersey at number four, who are you looking at? Uh, I'm trading the pick. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, That's great. Trade the pick. But uh, yeah, if I have to pick, I'll probably choose Simon Edvinson. Similar reason to Owen Power. You know, six six foot four, six foot five D skates well. Uh, really good hands for a bigger guy. He's raw, and he's gonna take more time, but. I think you, like Mark said, like you can't trade for guys like this in the NHL. Like if you have a six foot four, six foot five D that plays twenty five minutes a night, you don't trade those guys. So uh, that would be my pick from New Jersey. But I'm, I would not be surprised if they trade the pick. So looking to trade down. You know what? There might be a few willing to do that because it's really tight in this group, this whole group, this whole stretch here. And then uh, Mark for the Columbus Blue Jackets at uh, number five. Do you think they'll go off the board again? Uh, who do you have going? <laughs> Columbus going off the board. Yeah, they're gonna take, uh, <laughs> who are they going to take, Jerome? What's our Russian at 22? Fedotov. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to put they do, don't go off the board with this because it's pretty good up here. Um, I think uh, I'll go Cole Sillinger, uh, who I think we have ranked in this spot. So I guess I'm just saying our own guy. But um Cole Sillinger can really, really shoot the puck. Um, he's another guy. Skating was our big concern. Uh, there's there's quite a few in this top 20 that they're really good players, but they're not exactly uh, the Connor McDavid skaters. Um, but it, it improved enough that, obviously, if you, if we have ranked number five. It's, it's not scaring us too much anymore. Uh, but he's... He can be a bit of a beast too to deal with. He can be hard to play against. Uh, I just like the way he plays the game. When you got the guy that's hard to play against and then has the scoring ability he has and knows for the net and all those little intangibles, um, he's he's a fun player to watch and he'll be a fan favorite with wherever he goes. I think. Jerome, you're on deck at six. Uh, to caution you, I'm a Red Wings fan. Uh, I do have a guy that I would like to hear you uh, suggest his name. No pressure. You can't trade the pick either. Uh, who, do you, who do you have at six going to Detroit? Um, I have uh, Mason McTavish from Peterborough. Um, well, he didn't technically play in Peterborough this year, but um, yeah, so he's a center slash left winger um you really made some really nice progress this year when you start playing in uh in the swiss league um you know last year we saw like oh the skating i don't know about that skating Uh, and the playmaking oh i don't know about that playmaking and then this year everything we said last year got better like the skating took a, a big step the playmaking got better um 
and he's just like a you know you want a big center on your team he's your guy um if he you know still not sure if he's going to be a center at the NHL level if this will depend on how much the skating keeps improving in the next you know two years two three years but you know he's he's uh he's got a, a bit of a, like an old school mentality uh and he's you know he can score he's got one of the best shots in the draft um huge fan um and he played really well at the u18 in front of like uh all the scouts in texas so he'd be my pick at number six the sharks who, need a who, lot of help who do you here. want who do you oh, want yeah. i i want the goalie i want i want wallstat <laughs> yeah not gonna happen <laughs> 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 who is your top goalie? Well, thanks goalie? for having us on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> who is your top goalie, by the way? Yeah, our goalie is actually the Edmonton kid, Kosa. Or Kosa. I don't know how he goes, and I keep yeah. meaning to check. But uh, Does he go in the top uh, the, 10? Listen, they're both really good, so I'm not trying to downplay. <laughs> um, I don't know. I haven't thought about it that much. I just trying to annoy Matt and say not a chance, but um, <laughs> but I haven't really thought about too much. I, this is a this is something we never do, Manny. So you, this is because I like you and known you so long. We never do mocks, so like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just kind of fun, but not something we usually do. But I just figured I'd annoy Matt and say not a chance. But but I haven't thought. That's much so about, like you. That's so like you. I, I haven't thought much about like where they're actually going to go. To be honest. Um, I just it's been a little busy and haven't really. I, I just I just figure they're gonna go high because they're both really good, but I haven't really kind of thought about the where yet. Have you, Jerome? <laughs> um, I mean, I I knew where he was when he, he had his player in mind. I knew it was Wasted. <laughs> I, <knew, laughs> I knew where he was going with it, but um, well, yeah, I, I mean, Detroit maybe, but like. Like it's pretty, it's really high to pick a goalie at six. Um, so like, not everyone has like, you know, maybe the guts to do it. Um, I think maybe Ottawa may be an option for a goalie, but they have some good goalie in their depth chart too. But maybe not at the level of Casa and Wallstead. So, uh, I mean, this draft is it's gonna be like pretty wild. So um, it's tough to make really good uh, guess on where they're gonna go, but. You know, it's going to be fun Friday night. Yeah. John, let's jump to your pick at number nine since you're a Canucks fan and Mark needs some more chirping to do here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Who do you guys think the Canucks will uh, pick at nine? I think they need a defenseman, but what do you guys think? Yeah. So for for the, the, uh, for time constraints, so we would have gone Hughes and Brant Clark for the seven, eight. So we'll go nine, Kent Johnson, um, this is a player we had number one in June last year. So we talked about, uh, you know, our really early list. So Kent Johnson was our number one. So you might think, oh, man, number nine, they must not like him anymore. I still really like this guy. Jerome still really likes him. Um, uh, Mike Farkas, one of our, our guys in the States, huge fan of Johnson. So I was asked earlier today on a different on a different show, do you think there's anybody that you rank that you might regret? regret? And I just said, I don't know about regret, but when I look at Johnson at nine, I sit there and can't believe I have him at nine because I think there's a really high ceiling there. This kid's super skilled. He's got some vision. Maybe the goal scoring ability was something that I would have liked to see him a little bit better. But he really got better all year at Michigan. Um, you know, he's the third of the three from Michigan, and he he struggled a little bit at the start of the season coming from the BCHL, I think with the pace, um, but he adapted fairly quickly. It didn't take too many games before he adapted. 
and that's not unusual. We, we've seen that before for for some guys jumping in uh, to the NCAA and taking a few games to to get up to speed with the pace. But I thought he just improved pretty much in every facet of his game from from you know playing a complete game, better defensively. Um, getting involved more, winning his own pucks, going to dirty areas, bringing the puck to dirty areas. You know, one of the things I like to see is the player actually bring the puck to the net. He did that more. Um, so he's he's a guy that um, I'll be interested. He's one of the ones that I really kind of want to see five years from now where he's at and, and see if maybe our number one overall 13 months ago or however long it was now, um, you know, maybe if that wasn't so crazy. So, John, what do you think about that? Going back to Michigan, following Quinn Hughes, and get a guy with a high ceiling. That's got to make you happy, John. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good to me. John's the most pessimistic sports fan you'll ever meet. For, so for him for for him to say that he likes it means Ken Johnson's either going to have a horrible career or he's starting to turn the table a little bit here, John. <laughs> yeah, if you know any Canucks fans, we're always waiting for something bad to happen. And it usually does, so... <laughs> I've got family out there. I've heard it a lot. My cousins. <laughs> We're the only team that can have two world-class goalies and end up with neither one of them when it's all done. <laughs> so, so, Jerome at 10, does Ottawa take the goalie? And if not, who do you have? Uh, I went with Dylan Gunter, uh, winger from uh, Edmonton. Um, he just gives them like another strong option on the wing. With, uh, I mean, who knows what where Stuzel is going to play, if he's going to stay on the wing or not. But, I mean, if you get Dylan Gaunter at number 10, that's that's a pretty good, you know, value pick for, for Ottawa. So, and the fact that Ottawa has some goalie, like decent goalie prospect coming up, um, I think I, I think drafting a, a four might be a better value pick for them. Uh, who's the one player that um, we should keep an eye on who hasn't been mentioned yet so far? Well, I mean, we, um, I have three options. Oh, here. we got well, we got a few. So we, yeah, we got three that we got ranked, I guess, higher than than most. So uh, Nyes at what thirteen? Haima Salmi's eighteen, I think, Jerome. Yeah, and twenty-two, uh, the Russian um, Fedotov. Yeah. So those are the ones that, if you quickly look at our list, you might not see them as high on others. So I guess we'll go with those are the ones we kind of want to hit. <laughs> and, and last question for you guys uh what is the 2021 nhl draft class going to be remembered for or what are we going to remember the most from draft day go ahead jerome <laughs> the, it's a bad skater draft we have been saying this all year long like watching like guys we like i'm like man i wish he was faster and so there's a lot of good players, but a lot of a uh, you know weak skater, um, which is and usually through the whole draft, like the high yeah. end to down the, down the list. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In so, today's game, though, doesn't that impact? Doesn't that have a major impact on the future of these players? Uh, I think I think obviously, I mean, perfect world. Yeah, you're gonna want you're gonna want the the high end skater, but there's examples of some players in the NHL right now that. The, the hockey sense matters. They learn to play around it if they're smart enough and, 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 and get the chance to, right? Sometimes the skating just holds them up from getting a, a really good chance. So, so, but it makes, it makes our projections more difficult and, and the risk associated with a ranking or something, you know, more difficult. Um, 
there's a kid, uh, and Jerome and I just love that um, out of the queue, Nadeau. Where did we end up with him, Jerome, in the 50s, I think? Uh, I think early 60, but, you know, he has... Yeah, he, he, we kind of want him in the 50s, and sometimes you just don't get him as high as you want by the time you're moving other guys in. But there's really just, like, there's just nothing to dislike about him other than the skating, but the skating's got some work to do. Olivier Nadeau from uh, Shawinigan, right? Yep. Yeah, just love him. Love him. Well, guys, uh, I've loved this conversation. I know Matt and John have as well. I, I really appreciate it, Mark and Jerome. Thank you for doing this, and it uh, sounds like it's going to be a fun weekend at the NHL Draft. Uh, no problem. My pleasure. Nice little fun show and chat here. So, Thanks, guys. Our thanks again to Mark Edwards and Jerome Barube of HockeyProspect.com with some great insight into the upcoming NHL draft. Yeah, I don't feel quite so pessimistic. This might be all right. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it might be all right for Vancouver. <laughs> How's that goalie, Matt? We're never, we're never going to win again. We're never going to win another cup. <laughs> Uh, you can follow both of our guests on Twitter uh, first at Mark Edwards HP and Jerome underscore Barube, or you can follow all of their work at Scouting Service. Yeah, and check out the website for the 2021 NHL Black Book. Uh, you've also got some free premium content on there as well uh, on players from the NHL for junior teams, game reports, scouting reports, and that's for players that would be eligible in the OHL, WHL, and the Q. They've got a, a they've covered pretty much anybody that needs to be covered a few times, as you can tell from the conversation that we had. And uh, and that Black Book is uh, is a must uh, for anybody that's uh, interested in the prospect game. And what I like about them, too, is because they do reports on the players that are eligible for the O and the Dub and the Q, you can follow their progress as they produce the NHL Black Book, right? Like, they'll have four years of reports on some of the players, right? So you can really follow the progress of some of these guys. Uh, one thing we didn't get into was the story around Logan Melu, a big defenseman from Bell River who was a prospect for the London Knights. If you didn't hear the story, Logan has just asked NHL teams not to draft him this weekend because he was convicted of sharing a photo of a girl performing a sex act. The photo was taken without her consent. Uh, do you guys think a team will still draft him? Wow, if they do draft him, it'll be really, really late in the draft. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I hope a team does not draft him. Yeah, I think there's enough teams out there right now uh, that have even made it somewhat public that uh, they're not going to be looking at him, uh, that he's off the board entirely. Uh, he did make a post, uh, as we mentioned there, to ask teams not to draft him because he, he does not deserve the right uh, to to have that kind of a day and celebrate that kind of a day as well um, for for his actions uh, appreciate him him coming forward with that and, and acknowledging it um, for me it it didn't go far enough his post does not include an apology it still does not identify I'm, I'm sorry for what happened I'm sorry to this person I'm sorry for, there there was no apology in there the statement is essentially just him saying please don't draft me um, 
I don't, uh, you know, you're talking to, we're talking to Mark and Jerome, we're talking about the million dollar games that these teams are playing, trying to project this and that. I, I don't think there's a lot of teams that are going to pay much attention to, uh, to this kid after this. Um, you know, it's unfortunate uh, that, that it's gotten to this point for him, uh, that he has to say this, that teams have not come out and said, we will not take this guy because of this. Uh, I think there should be more teams that do that, uh, but we'll see what happens on draft day. Yeah, I, I just think that uh, I know his argument was that he already had issued an apology, but if you were sincere, you would say it again in that statement, in my opinion. Uh, and we just didn't see it. I know there's already uh, work in the background, he's going to talk to other youth about the stupid mistakes that you can make as a teenager and that sort of thing. He's already going to be speaking in schools and that sort of thing. I just don't know if that's enough. And um, we should see if his maturity level and his character improves. And so too should NHL teams if they even consider him having a future in hockey going forward. Yeah, at this age, I mean, you can say it's a young guy making a mistake, but uh, you're old enough to know right from wrong at this age, I think. it's This isn't, you're not a, a little kid. This isn't a kid stealing a, uh, some bubble gum from a store. This is a young man who should know better. So, Yeah, I think that's fair. And again, uh, stay tuned for our second podcast of the week where we'll recap what the Kraken did in the NHL expansion draft and we'll offer our own mock NHL draft coming up on the OT. Yeah, I, can tell, you who's, at I can tell you who's going at six. <laughs> Come on, Jerome. <laughs> hey, are we making trades too? Are we going to do uh, trades? He throws in our out mock? the trade at the fourth yeah. pick in the mock draft. It's beautiful. What a Love move. It. Love what it. a move. What do you think that, and, and this might be uh, something that, that uh, we don't have the answer to, uh, but put on your GM hats at this point. What is the fourth overall pick in this draft value-wise for New Jersey? Oof. Wow. If they're going to move firsts, down, let's say least. 12, you know, uh, enough because through, through Mark and Jerome's conversation, you know, they've said that there's, you know, there's not that many standouts uh, in the, in the top 20, but, you know, he's mentioning guys that he really, really likes at 15, 16, 22, uh, you know, where there might be some, some teams that are able to make some movement there, but what is a, a, a fourth overall pick in a draft worth and what's it worth in this draft which again could be a, a little bit of a, a toss-up because of the fact that these these kids didn't get a lot of live eyes well jerome had uh the second best defenseman on their ranking going to new jersey edvinson um but i think you start with two first round picks in return don't you at least you start there if that's what the price of poker is for the number four pick? Sure. The the first pick, right, moving from four to 12, first overall next year, there's got to be a third pick in there somewhere, maybe a third, maybe you know a second, something like that the year afterwards. Yeah, you start with two first. But yeah. uh, there might be value at later in that first top exactly. 10, right? Exactly, if, and that's if, that was Jerome's point. Yeah, like if Kent Johnson is falling to nine and Dylan Gunter to ten, those are two pretty highly regarded prospects. Yeah, that and if they fall, teams might be making moves to go up and get them for sure. And in that in that same vein, at six, if you are convinced that you've got a guy and you don't think that 
guy is going to get called on, and you can get uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of of extra draft capital, which we know Stevie Y is is very good at hoarding, uh, and still get your goalie at 11, 12, 13. I don't know. That's it. That's what they call a teaser. You're going to have to listen to the OT to see what Matt will do at number six with the Detroit Red Wings pick. If that's the draw, no one is going to be listening on Friday. <laughs> what's, what's the guy in his living room going to do for the Detroit Red Wings at number six? <laughs> Hang on. It's only two days away till we get to find out what the guy wearing no pants is going to do with the Red Wings at number six. <laughs> no, I can't go up to the stage right now. It's not good for anybody. John, I don't think he's going to take a goalie on Friday either. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, who's your pick at number one? Oh. Well, <laughs> I'm glad you asked, John. But yes, that's going to be on Friday. That's going to obviously be a ton of fun. In the meantime, make sure you follow us on social media for future considerations on Facebook, Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram. All kinds of great video content and uh, and all kinds of stuff that you'll you'll find on the uh, on the Instagrams and uh, and all of the other things uh, platforms as well. And you can email us at forfutureconsiderations at gmail.com. We got a ton of emails coming in. A lot of people commented on our serial choice from last week's show. Our <laughs> spelling, which is atrocious. Uh-huh. <laughs> we have more music for Pump It or Dump It. Too, yes. So. Are we doing Pump It or Dump It again? Nah, on the OT. Another okay. teaser okay, for you good. to listen into the OT. Good. I wonder who it could be. <laughs> do you know what I love? We do all this research. We gather all this stuff all week. Think about what we're going to talk about. Watch all these different games. And it's breakfast cereal that gets everyone talking. Man, oh, my I, goodness. I'll tell you, when uh, when I was co-hosting the morning show on Rock Mornings with Craig and Matt on 97.1 uh, or 95.1, 100.7 The Rock, um, <laughs> we could get into um, what do you think about uh, about having to give up your firstborn child uh, to do whatever no one would call? What's your favorite color? We couldn't answer the phone fast enough. <laughs> it never makes any sense. It doesn't make any sense. And no matter what you do, right? Yeah. Look, looking forward to the show on Friday. We want to thank our sponsors, London Awnings, Quality That Shows. And Shane Topolovic of Next Level Athletics, specializing in sports training and nutrition and sixes. And if you know, <laughs> if you know, you know. Speaking of things that don't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know what you're talking about because I think I'm about a four. (laughs) But my personality takes me up to a six. So much fun. Thanks for bearing with us today, everyone. Stay tuned for the OT and thanks for listening to For Future Considerations. Sixes. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their MO for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.